Virginville Podcast Network. I'm Josh. I'm Amanda. So someone hit us back today on Twitter that was really exciting to Amanda. Amanda, you want to unfold the petals of that story, please? Yes. So after last week, we went from 18 to 23 followers. I have five friends that are my favorites. And um, so you know who you are. Thank you for doing that. Uh, But it was really exciting. So we've talked several times on this show uh, about a Netflix show that really just is my, well, mine and Josh's TV comfort food, and it's called Somebody Feed Phil. And the host is Phil Rosenthal, who is the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. And it's just this really heartwarming show where he goes around to all these different places, some in America, some in all different countries and continents, and he gets to know the people through the food. It's kind of like Bourdain, but meets Mr. Rogers, maybe? I mean, it's just a very heartwarming, loving thing. And and I could watch it over and over and over again. And he's funny, and his wife is funny, and he brings her along. And shout out to Monica. And um, Not a sponsor. <laughs> Monica's most definitely not a sponsor. Um, but it's just this really wonderful show. And we've had, you know, a really rough summer with quarantine, as a, has everyone. But with my mom dying last month and not being able to visit and I couldn't sleep we got up and we just turned on Netflix and we turned on um, somebody feed Phil so yesterday uh, in our podcast news feed somebody had commented from the UK had tweeted out that everybody he recommends the show to has become addicted to it and I commented that it is our TV comfort food and that it got us through four months of quarantine and losing my mom last month and um, Phil Rosenthal from Somebody Feed Phil liked our comment today. So um, I'm just really excited that I only have 23 Twitter followers. But Phil Rosenthal knows that uh, the po- Wilsons do a podcast during a p- pandemic. That's another reason why we got to change that. That's a really long name. Uh, really loves his show. So that made my Twitter heart happy. You all need to understand that to Amanda, this is the equivalent of being signed to a development deal. <laughs> true i don't you're so i don't expect you're so excited by this whole twitter thing and why do you like you don't think it was cool no i I do think i'm gonna screenshot it and i send it to you with lots of circles around it and this is what the internet was supposed to be good for narrowing the the degrees of separation between people and um it's not even like a brush with fame i don't want to be famous from phil i just want to be friends with phil and monica they just seem like really really great people I'm just throw Monica in there so I can at her on Twitter and maybe get her attention too. That was very exciting news. I've got a, a headline here that I want to run past you. Every now and again, we will be looking at the headlines. This is from CNN, so you know it's real news. English pub owner installs electric fence to keep customers at a safe distance. <laughs> Did this happen in the UK or it happened in the US? Because I can make arguments for both. It's in Cornwall in in the UK. Yes. Businesses have had to embrace social distancing during the pandemic, and perhaps none more so than an English pub, which installed an electric fence to keep 30 customers at bay. 
Well, what do you mean at bay? Away from the bar? How do you keep 30 people away from each other with an electric fence? They all have a six-foot perimeter, and if they move, then they're they're dead? I don't understand. The owner, Mr. McFadden, said he wanted to put some rope or chain to make sure customers kept back from the staff at the bar but couldn't find Uh, suitable equipment. So instead, he says, I opted for an electric fence to, quote, see what that does. (laughs) (laughs) The fence is not usually turned on. I like that. Not usually. Not usually. But the sight of it has managed to deter some customers from crowding near staff. Well, all, then, all of these descriptor words are adding so many layers to the story. How do you get your drink? You yell to the staff that you need, you know, a pint, and then what, they toss it to you? Yes, I don't know if they're tossers or not, but that's not the point. He says, we're in a rural area, so everyone knows what an electric fence is. I got a little sign on it, too. <laughs> Electric, comma, danger. (laughs) Well, I appreciate his use of the comma. Have you ever had a run-in with an electric fence, Josh? I absolutely have not. Although I have been shocked by a wall outlet before. Were you sticking something into the wall outlet that should not have gone into the wall outlet? Like a knife? No, no, no. I was plugging something in behind a chair or a sofa. And the the plug wasn't fully engaged in the socket. And I I touched both prongs. Like my finger slipped and touched... And that joker, like, threw me back. Or I threw myself back. I don't know. Yeah, being electrocuted is not fun. So my uncle had an electric fence because he had cows. And my cousins and I used to run out in the field. And I knew where the electric fence was. And I always stopped short. But my cousins would keep going. So I have never had a run-in with electric fence. Because from the time that I was, I don't know, like seven, I was paying attention to the fact that there was... Electric, comma, danger. But you didn't stop them. No, that's just that was their own. That was their own business. That, as, as we say in my life, that was their hula hoop. I've been doing a lot more processing of the issue that we were talking about last week, Hamilton, and how Hamilton kind of sits uneasily in our time. Just as a recap, Hamilton the musical was released as Ham- Hamilton the film or Hamilton the movie last week last friday and we watched it and we loved it but there are some things that that some people are finding objectionable about it yeah so you you talked about it last week and i was a little well i mean it dealt with it but you know when we we landed on written in a different time and so it's kind of become this movement this cancel hamilton movement and um We've been having conversations and thinking about, you know, is is the fact that it was written earlier, I mean, it really started writing it in 2009, does that excuse it from not addressing head-on or more confrontationally the idea of enslaved, the enslaved people who really founded our country? I read an interesting article this week talking about the can about cancel culture and um, feel how you may about that, about canceling Hamilton. And while there are a lot of historians who are coming out and saying, you know, Hamilton mm, owned slaves or wasn't an abolitionist, believed more in voluntary emancipation. So there's debate about Hamilton. There's debate about Washington. There's debate, and not even necessarily debate. There are people who are coming out and saying, this is what these people stood for and the show does doesn't really deal with that. But what I've liked about it is that these same historians have been coming forward and saying, but if not for the show, more people wouldn't be looking into the people who founded our country, wouldn't be learning about the actual history of it. 
Lin-Manuel Miranda has said, too, that, you know, he did what he could for two and a half hours that he had researched for years upon years and acknowledged that it's, a, you know, that it's flawed and that he wished that he could have done more. I think I might have just put words in his mouth, so let's, let's not say that. If anything, this show stands for, I think, the work of art that it is and does what good art does, which is cause you to ask questions, cause you to um, investigate and, and to learn more. I think you made a really interesting and really good analogy when you uh, compared it to P.T. Barnum and The Greatest Showman. Now, we love The Greatest Showman, uh, the movie, as a spectacle. We love the music. We love um, Hugh Jackman. But P.T. Barnum, not a great man. But this completely just rewrote the history, and and we saw it for the spectacle that it was, we being the collective we. And so where does that difference lie? Why, where Where is the dissonance in that? And so we've, we've been having that conversation, and I'm interested, Josh, and I thought that you had a really well thought out, constructed post about it um, on Saturday. So could you share some of that? Well, I was just, like I said, I've been processing this a lot, and I'm an artist, and I'm painfully aware that the artist themselves is deeply reflected in their work i've always said that the difference between a piece of art and the reality that it's trying to portray is nothing more than the fingerprints of the artist like let's say you say you see a painting right and it's a painting of a, a person the difference between the reality of that person and what the painting looks like that difference is the artist and so you're seeing um, the artist's world uh, view. You're seeing the artist's life experiences. Maybe you're experiencing the artist's failings and brokenness. You f- often find out more about the artist than you do about um, almost anything else when you're looking at art. And so I think that in order to understand Hamilton or really any piece of art, you have to understand uh, the the person who created it. And so in this case, Lynn manuel is obviously and very clearly is invested in the idea of immigrants and immigration he clearly is a extremely determined and a hard worker and so these are things that he values and all of this is reflected in hamilton he also doesn't sugarcoat i mean there's very few characters in that play that are deified interestingly enough as i said last week it seems like washington is the only one but i think that Hamilton, the musical, tells us more about Lin-Manuel Miranda than it tells us about history. It's disguised as history, but if anything, I think it's it's revisionist history. Well, obviously it's revisionist history. I think it's fantasy aspirational history. If you look at Hamilton, what you see is a, a reimagining of the founding of this country with people of color um, as primary um, agents of, of the events. And that's aspirational. That's what That's what some folks want this country to be. It's not yet. That's the lens um, that I look at Hamilton with, is that it is this what-if story. Well, and I, I agree with that. And I also think that it's pivotal now in where we are as a country that, you know, it could be now this is their time to tell their story. And so we are... We are switching the founding and, and, and the ideologies in which the country is founded um, from the lens of black Americans and, and people of, and Americans of color. I enjoy it. I enjoy it for what it is, a, a wonderful piece of art. I don't need it to teach me history. Um, like you said, it, it 
points us towards the study of history. But anyone who takes it as uh, straight history, straight fact, um, doesn't quite understand the art form. So there you go. But I did learn a lot more um, about American history than I learned in my American government class. So maybe if they would have rapped to me, I would have learned more. Imagineville. want to take a moment to take a little pause for the cause here. Um, we'll use this section to give you recommendations, both on things to watch and listen to, but also um, things and causes that we care about and that our friends care about. And you are our friends. We want you to care about them too, or at least give you the opportunity to care about them. Firstly, before I do that, I want to remind you that we have the Imagineville Podcast Networks. And it is a Gainesville, Florida-based network of shows, even though not all the shows need to be based in Gainesville, Florida. It's just that I am and we are. And so to see our roster of shows, go to Imagineville.com. And that's actually spelled I-M-A-G-N-V-I-L-L-E.com. Go there and, and see what we've got to offer. If you have a podcast that you would like to... Um, join our roster with then let us know hit us an email in the contact section and we will get in touch with you when you were younger did you have any dreams maybe you wanted to be an astronaut or a doctor or a dancer hi my name is julia and i'm not only an ambassador for dream on purpose i'm the face of the organization dream on purpose is a nonprofit organization celebrating its fifth year empowering youth with a focus on girls 11 to 18 years old our signature event, Cupcakes and Conversations, held quarterly, serves as a platform where teens are free to talk about what they are going through and connect with local resources. It takes approximately $400 to run one Cupcakes and Conversations. We, like many nonprofits today, are currently facing challenges with our revenue due to the coronavirus. That's why we need your help to keep our programs going during these unprecedented times. With your help, we can continue to empower our youth to be that astronaut, doctor, or dancer, and to dream on purpose. To donate, visit our page on The Amazing Give. Thank you. To donate to Dream On Purpose, visit theamazinggive.org and search Dream On Purpose. started out really gangbusters when um, the quarantine started was cleaning and decluttering and I'm really trying to embrace my inner um, the art of tidying up I'm, I'm holding all the things and asking them if they bring me joy and and usually they tell me that they do but they don't really because they lie and so we're really working hard on um, decluttering because this is this is our second marriage for both of us so when Josh and I got married we were coming with two households and then a year not even a year after we were married Josh's dad passed away and so we brought up his stuff and then um, two years later my dad passed away and we had some of that stuff and then you know, my mom, uh, 
my stepfather passed away and my mom moved into a long-term care facility and we moved stuff up and then my mom passed away. So we really have about five people's worth of households in this house. And so we've, we've been trying, but we are also in the process of really weeding everything out and, and we've got boxes everywhere and it's just cluttered. And I've said this before, I have generalized anxiety But when, and I'm medicated, and I cope pretty decently, but when the house gets cluttered, my anxiety gets much, much, much worse. And I found when I was teaching that my classroom would be really organized, but my home would not because I could only apparently have enough energy for one of those spaces. I'm not teaching anymore, not going into my office. My home is my office, and so I really have to make a concentrated effort to be in a space that brings me some peace. And so yesterday we decided we were going to very responsibly socially distance, entertain a friend. Um, I got COVID tested for my work and it came back negative. Josh gets COVID tested every two weeks. So we felt fairly confident in our ability to have someone over. But I will say we still wore masks while they were here. Um, We still... Uh, kept a distance, but we were entertaining for the first time in our house in four months. And so we just really, really, Josh did a ton of work on the house. Um, we had a couch break this week. I remember I told y'all we break things frequently. We had a piece of another feature for piece of furniture break this week. So I ordered some furniture covers for an old wing chair and an old couch and we rearranged the room and I could not be more happy. And I think that Josh even noticed tonight. So he had some music playing and I had a candle lit and we were in the living room and, and he just it said. It was all perfectly innocent, you all. Right, right, right. No, there are children still in the house. And um, these children do not go away. They live here. Um, the space is really great. And Josh even said, he said, does having music on make you happy? And it does, but it's also the space. And I even noticed that the three-year-old today while I was working did not make it as cluttered because it wasn't already as cluttered. So I cannot say enough for what we have done this weekend and, and especially Josh, um, has done for my mental health. So I really appreciate that. I think it's a good thing to consider doing in in y'all's houses. If you're quarantined, if you're working from home, consider rearranging things. I mean, you, you might not get as radical as we got with getting rid of things, and that's fine. We did it out of necessity, but um, it's just we did simplify some things. We There was a point where the couch that we had set up, it was kind of set up as a barrier between... Uh, the fireplace in the front door and so we moved the couch to the side and now it's kind of a straight shot and everything looks more open but in general if you are feeling yourself um, going crazy in your space then change your space if you can and then also as you said music makes me very happy and i used to listen to music all the time and just for whatever reason not intentional or whatever don't do that as much anymore and the last couple of days we've been listening to music in the house and it's just made me super happy and the kids like it too i mean you should have seen josh and the three-year-old dancing to it's raining men it was pretty much my favorite um happening of the weekend if you go to our twitter <laughs> you will not see a video of that but go to our twitter anyway but if you, if i can get 50 people on twitter i will post a video Guys, that's only 27 more people. Tell your friends to follow us at 
Wilson's underscore do. We're going to have to change that, aren't we? No, I'm not. No, Phil Rosenthal knows my Twitter. I'm not changing it. Um, so, also, you can order a chair cover from Amazon, not a sponsor, for $20. We took an old dingy blue armchair and turned it into a really cool red one. So, just do a little something. We were going stir crazy and needed to do something. And that was that was really great. But the whole reason I bring this up is that we were entertaining yesterday and there's a ton of original artwork around the house that um, Josh's paintings and Josh shows locally here, although I mean, not really since the pandemic started and, and has a decent following and, and sells and takes commissions. And so um, I will plug at Josh Wilson art on Instagram. If you are so interested, Um, I know he won't do that for himself, but there's a painting on our wall and it is of Leah Chase. And so we were entertaining, and our guest asked... We're being super mysterious about who our guest was, and I don't LaKendra. know why. It was LaKendra, LaKendra Garrison, who is is a, a podcaster here in town, and it's her podcast is called I Just Want to Talk, and we love it, and we love listening to it. And we've really grown to appreciate uh, LaKendra's point of view, and she's just a fun person. And so we wanted to have her over, and she was the, the first person that we've had over since um, this this whole thing or the the pers- first person we've had um inside appropriately socially distanced so do listen to her podcast it's called i just want to talk search for it wherever you listen to podcasts or go to imagineville.com and you can find the link to it there imagineville is spelled i-m-a-g-n-v-i-l-e-e.com and listen to lakendra and then when you're done listening to her listen to her again and then when you finish that, um, what you need to do is listen to her again because she's absolutely worth listening to. Wonderful, wonderful person. So anyway, back to your story. You and LaKendra were talking about uh, the the painting on the wall. Um, so we started talking about Leah Chase. And Leah Chase is just a really incredibly interesting woman to me. And I just wanted to take this time to acknowledge her, acknowledge her legacy and talk a little bit about one of my favorite places, which is New Orleans. Talk a little bit about some of our favorite food, which is New Orleans food and gumbo and fried chicken. And um, talk a little bit about Dookie Chase and um, just her legacy. Leah Chase was a restaurateur in New Orleans. Um, she married a um, jazz trumpeter named Dookie Chase in the 50s. Um, they had a restaurant. She started working in the restaurant. Anyway, the reason why I am so drawn to her and drawn to her story is because during the 60s, during the, the, civil, the, the civil rights era, she um, and her husband hosted several prominent civil rights activists um, in their restaurant. They would hold, hold quote-unquote, secret meetings in their restaurant, but really the authorities knew what was happening, but they didn't shut it down. They didn't shut it down because the restaurant was so popular that they were really concerned and afraid that there would be a a backlash. Now, this, to me, speaks a lot about New Orleans as a place. Mm -hmm. I mean, food is so important there. I want to live there just for that because you know what, y'all? Food is super important to me, too. She continued on in the restaurant business, and then she just recently passed last year. And I I just love her story. You know, she was a woman who stood up. She stood up, and she did what she needed to do 
Um, never mind the consequences. And we need we need more people like that today. And she did it with food. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about with Lakendra when we were talking about our southern roots and how that's rooted in food. I mean, food is how you show your love and your support. Um, and it's an extension of you. And so I was also reading that there were no um, black-owned banks in the African-American communities in New Orleans. And so... People would commonly go to Dookie Chase on Fridays, and Leah and her husband would cash checks of trusted patrons. Really interesting. She hosted, they hosted Martin Luther King and the Freedom Riders, but they also in 2018 were, um, Food and Wine named them one of the 40 most important restaurants of the past 40 years. I think they are, they're either James Beard Award winners or they are James Beard, like, Hall of Fame recipients but they also have a ton of african-american art the new orleans museum of art is an amazing art museum uh josh and i went to it for our first wedding anniversary she's leah chase sat on the board there she did a lot of work um for women in the storm women of the storm a coalition of women after katrina so uh check out leah chase um she's got some cookbooks the dookie chase cookbook and i still cook down home healthy family recipes of black american chefs um and if you go to our twitter there will be a portrait of leah chase and some links for checking her out (laughs) am i I getting obnoxious with the twitter stuff yet no i like it Alrighty, so our um intro and outro music is La Mañana Dorada by Silva de Alegria. Our interstitial music is by Andrew Wilson. And we are, both of us, 100% really all over the place. And That's okay. And, yeah. and you're drunk. Go home. You're I drunk. am not drunk. Dude, you're so drunk. Dude, I'm not drunk. Dude, you're so drunk. Why do you even say that? Why do I even say that? First of all, I didn't say it like that. <laughs> I know you didn't. I'm messing with you. <laughs>